Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Things were buzzing so quickly before Mass, uh, I forgot to welcome everyone and introduce myself. So welcome to Christ the King and Happy Easter. I'm Father PJ, I'm the parish priest here. Um, and uh, on behalf of Father Nick and Father John, the deacons and the whole parish staff, we want to extend the happiest of happy Easter's to you and your family and hope that today and the days to come are full of much joy. I want to, I want to ask you to think about something for a minute. And this is going to be a little easier for the olders than the youngs, but you'll get it. I want you to consider for a moment the most important moment in your life so far, the most significant event, the thing that changed everything. Probably for many of us, it was the day of our wedding, or maybe the day that we decided to get married, or the day that we held our first child, maybe the day that we got a particular job or moved to a new country or left an old one. Those of us that are younger are probably sitting here thinking, wow, I failed a math test once. Or maybe I blew ribbon at state competition or something like that. That's okay. That's just a sign that there are more important things yet to come. And of course, that would be true of all of us, right? There's always the possibility of something yet more important happening. For Peter, for John, and for Mary, there was no, import, no, no more important thing than what happened on this day. And for those to whom he appeared later on, nothing mattered more. Nothing could be more significant. All those other moments, as important as they are, pale in comparison to the encounter with the risen Lord. Make no mistake, for the people that wrote the Gospels, the people that first preached the Gospel before it was even written down, this is no metaphor, this is no simile, this is not some, some great symbol that's supposed to make us feel better when things are down. These men and women saw a dead man walking. And they were so convicted, so convinced of what they saw, that later on, when people said, no, bull, not true, they rather died than deny not only the experience that they had had, but the one that they had come to know. St. John, or those writing for him, would later write down what we have seen with our eyes and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. It changed them, and it changed them forever. It governed and determined the whole course of the rest of their lives and ultimately determined the nature of their deaths. Great Jesuit Father Arupe used to say, there's nothing more practical than falling in love. Once we fall in love, it'll determine what we get up for in the morning and what we think about when we go to bed, how we spend our free time and our money, where our interests are, where our, our, our activity and energy goes. These three people fell in love with the Lord. Now, if you'd asked them, I don't know, Thursday night, do you love Jesus? They surely would have said yes. Peter did, more or less, at the supper. But, but they had no idea 
yet what they were dealing with. And once they realized that the one who had come into relationship with them, the one who'd come to claim friendship with them, the one whom they ate and drank with before he died, turned out to be the one who would rise from the dead, that they could see and touch, eat and drink with the dead man come to life again, that that one was something more than a man. That changed everything. And so it should for us as well. There are no passive spectators at the resurrection. There are at the crucifixion. There are people standing around gawking, looking, teasing, heckling. But there's none of that on the first day of the week. Now, on this first day, the eighth day, the day that makes all things new, there, there are only active participants. And when people say, you know, why, why did Jesus have to die? Why did God choose to do things in this way? As far as I can tell, this is the only real answer because he wanted us to be a part of it. Not just to know about it or be able to talk about it. Not just to be able to say some kind of formula like Jesus Christ is Lord or I've accepted Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. Those things are true. They ought to be true for Christians. But, but that's not the meat of it. The meat of it is we're not just imitators of Christ. We're participators in Christ. We don't just know about his death and resurrection. We have an actual share in it. Last night, nine people went down in that pool. They didn't just go in dry and come out wet. Go down pagan, come out Catholic. They went down dead. And they came up alive. That's the promise of the resurrection. It's not simply a kind of afterlife insurance policy. So that once you die, you've got this sort of uh, moral or intellectual certainty that there's something after if you were a good enough boy or girl and didn't get in too much trouble. That's not the idea at all. I recognize that's probably the version of Christianity that was handed on to many of you. I recognize that's probably the faith some of you were taught in school or CCD or at home. I'm sorry, that was a mistake. They shouldn't have said that. That's way too low a bar. And it has very, very little to do with the gospel. The gospel is this. God loves you personally and us collectively so much that he was willing to take on human flesh, live a truly human life, and try and die a truly inhuman death. A death no one should ever have had to suffer. And he chose to do it, chose to do it on purpose so that we could come to share in his life, in his death, and so in his risen life, in his resurrection. Each one of us who's been in the font, either as babies or as grown-ups, we likewise did not just go down dry and come out wet. We once were dead, and at least are meant now to be alive. So the question for each of us really is, am I alive? Or am I dead? Has my encounter with the risen Lord at the font, at the altar, in the confessional, in my marriage bed, has my encounter with the risen Lord determined and shaped 
the whole course of my life, or are other things in the way? Has something else taken front pride of place, driver's seat? Is something else what gets me up in the morning and, and, and has me up at night? Is something else where I put my time and my energy and my emotions and my money? Is there something else that's occluding or getting in the way? Or has that encounter with the risen Lord really been the driving force for me? I'm here today, and I know many of you are too, because it is. But I also know that there are some of us here that aren't usually here. And that's okay. There's no judgment here. But there is a question. What are you going to do about the risen Lord Jesus? Are the couple hundred of us gathered here this morning just sort of politely nuts? Or do we have something important to say to the rest of the world? Is it possible, just possible, this is all true? And if it is, and especially if it is, and I've been away for a while, or, I, or I, I've put off making decisions about this stuff because it's hard and because it might make demands on me, I might have to change some things in the way that I live my life. I'm here to tell you, um, and this might sound conceited or crazy, but if providence is what we say it is, God sent me to tell you, come home. Don't wait one second longer. Come today and we'll show you the risen Lord. You can encounter him as surely as did Peter and John and Mary on that first day of the week. You can see him with your eyes and touch him with your hands and hold him in your heart and your belly and your blood and your guts, bread and bone. You can live the risen life today. And if you're willing, if you're able to take a chance on that kind of life now, then I promise you will find yourself running, running to tell everyone you know about the most important thing, the most significant event, the encounter with the most important person in the whole of your life.